This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Focusing on yourself makes you a better person and a better mom. Valeria Tellez interviews Ariel Hoy, the author of Mother's Journal for Inner Peace. Previously an elementary teacher, Ariel Hoy is a five-time RPLA winning author and the owner of Orange Blossom Publishing. She is an editor, speaker, consultant, and the Executive Vice President for the Florida Writers Association. She is the author of the Complete Revision Workbook for Writers, the children's books Grumbler, Joyride, and Pling's Party, the editor of How I Met My Other anthology series, and the creator of the Focus Journal line of journals. She was also honored with the President's Award from the Florida Writers Association in 2020. She has a serious reading addiction, fantasy romance her absolute favorite, and loves nothing more than good conversation paired with a good wine. She is surrounded by males at home, a husband, two sons, and an energetic dog, and tries to integrate as much purple and flowers in the house as possible. Meet Ariel at orangeblossombooks.com. Here is the interview with Ariel Hoy. In your own words, who is Ariel Hoy? Um, I am a mother and a writer and a wife. And I try to have all those parts come together to make up me. My overall, you know, kind of goal in life is, you know, spreading more joy and more love, which is why I started uh, my press, which is Orange Blossom Publishing. And that is kind of the books that I published. And, and I also do a lot of volunteer work. And everything that I do is, is to try to, you know, spread more love and spread more joy and, and make people feel happier, either by, you know, smiling, being friendly and energetic, or by helping them, you know, kind of uh, find, you know, their own happiness within, within their writing or within their work, whatever it is that their goals are, um, trying to help people achieve. And speaking of love and joy. I do have this question here and I ask not all of my guests, but most of them. What is love to you? Oh my goodness. Oh, I think love is that feeling of 
inner contentment and peace that you have regarding yourself or those around you, that, that warmth that you have. And it's also something that, you know, that motivates your relationships, what you will and will not do for certain people. When you have those feelings, uh, the, that emotion on the inside, you know that I'm willing to, you know, for my children, I'm willing to do all of these things. But for, you know, someone else who I don't have that as much, you know, depth of feeling for, I wouldn't be willing to do all those things. So I think part of it is, you know, your contentment in, in relationships, but also your, your willingness to, to do things for other people. Do you think it's possible to love unconditionally, to love others unconditionally before we love ourselves unconditionally? Oh boy, this is a tough one. <laughs> I know. I think... I wish, I wish, I think in a perfect world, we would be able to, you know, have unconditional love, you know, the absolutely, you know, nothing that could happen would make me, you know, not love you. And I think for some people where, you know, so, so close to there, um, it's, it's hard to think about, you know, choices that some people make that yeah. may are intentional to hurt you. And it hurts even worse when it's someone that you love. Right. Um, that's even harder. And, and the same implies within, you know, we all, you know, sometimes we make choices that hurt ourselves yeah, and right. we do things that, you know, we all make mistakes, but we can't let go of. And so I think, I think it's something that is going, this is a constant work in progress between working to unconditionally love yourself and forgive yourself. And the same thing with others to be able to truly forgive someone, especially if it's someone you love and has, you know, has done something that is really hurtful. So it's, it's a process. It's a working process, I think. Yeah, I believe that too. And you do mention in your book, uh, Mother's Journal for Inner Peace, you have a section that address forgiveness. I think you call, I forgive myself. And then you say, we are not perfect. No one is. You start the, that phrase. Yes, yes. And and I think there might be an expectation, you know, maybe from social media or even before that, there's always that perfect mom on the street, you know, right, who has right. everything homemade and their kid, you know, her kids are... Yeah look perfect and and no one's like that i think as much as as much pressure as we put on ourselves to get our kids to be the best version that they can and when something goes wrong it's automatically our fault we need to have that same amount of energy i think put into you know realizing that that this is fluid and you just keep going one day at a time and maybe you have a bad day um, and that, that happens, you know, we all have our bad days. Maybe we get frustrated and yell and then realize, you know, shoot, I shouldn't have, you know, yelled, but you know, it, it's moving on and being able to say, yes, I made a mistake. I'm going to try harder next time. Let me keep going. Mm. And I forgive myself. I'm going to try harder next time and, and, you know, just keep going ahead. I think the word we can use too, it's being kind. That's mm -hmm. kindness. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to be a mother, Arielle? Oh boy. Golly. Um, <laughs> I think it is when you are in the role where you have completely and utterly put yourself absolute last. And a lot of the times you don't even realize that you have, you know, you're, you're the one you make your plate last. So the food yeah. is cold. Yeah. You, uh, make sure that everyone has a nice, outfit for a certain holiday and, oh, whoops, let me go in the closet and find something to throw on for me. Um, it is, it's giving everything that you have more than what you thought you possibly had to give 
to someone else as you are nurturing them and trying to, you know, trying to grow this person into being the best version that they could possibly be while dealing with all of life's hiccups and challenges. Um, you know, it'd be great if we lived in these little isolated bubbles and we could teach, you know, lessons one, two, three, here's how to be kind, here's how to share, you know, like a checklist, yeah. and we're done. Um, but, you know, the world isn't like that. It's, it's on the go. So I think it's, it's being a mom is that giving where you are always and constantly giving more and more and more and more of yourself. And even when you think you have nothing left to give, even when you're the one who's sick on the couch, you know, and the toddler comes up and says, mommy, can I have some water? Even though you feel horrible, you'll get up and get it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, So I think that's what it is. It's all about giving. So I guess my next question is about what do you love the most about being a mother? Oh, boy. The genuine and pure laughter <laughs> that and, and enjoyment that, that comes from uh, when you have kids that say something or do something totally unexpected. And just that, because <laughs> that it, it, it's so pure. Yeah. They just said something so funny <laughs> or they just went and did something. And, and, it's, and it's those surprises. And it's also that you get to you know, you experience life for the first time in all of its steps again. So you get to go and, oh my goodness, uh, here, I'm going to show you something great today. This is called a donut. Um, I'm about <laughs> okay. to blow your mind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so wow. it's, it's that fun and of, of experiencing life again and, and showing, you know, all these different things that you enjoy and showing them to someone else and sharing it with them. And you have these shared experiences. And it's also, too, I think, from just the, oh, I'm going to miss them when they get too big and I can't hold them anymore. <laughs> my kids are currently, they are six and eight. And I can still kind of hold them in my lap and snuggle with them. But that 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 warm, loving touch, I know that that I feel like I need that. I'm going to need a hug from you. I'm going to need, you know, I, I need that 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 kind of physical uh, connection. So I'm sure they'll get taller and the hugs will be, <laughs> won't be as snuggly as they get older. But um, that's the thing that I love as well is, 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 is showing affection through touch. Do you think that somebody like me who chose, although I didn't make the decision not to have children, it just didn't happen for me. So do you think that women like me, we are missing something? You know, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't use the words missing something because then it sounds like, oh, you're, it's, it's impossible for you to feel fulfillment yeah, without it. Right. I don't think that's true because right. <laughs> different life, life experiences, people feel fulfillment in different ways. Yes, true. I think it's kind of a, a mutual experience type of thing where I also will not understand what it is like, you know, to be able to kind of pursue my goals unhindered. Um, and, and I'm not saying that people without kids don't have challenges, um, but just, I, you know, being able to focus, ha- have a life where I can focus more on, on me, which, you know, like that's, that, that sounds like great the way, you know, the way when it's worded that way, but you know, I, I'm not going to understand that life experience and someone can't understand, you know, someone else's life experience who has kids. Um, and I don't think that there is something that's missing. I think it's just something that's different. 
um, because it's easy to look, I think it's easy to look at the other side and see what you're missing. And it may sound harsh to say that you're not evaluating your own side and what you're missing because I, by having kids, I am missing out on some things. I do miss out on social opportunities. Um, we know that women miss out on, you know, opportunities at work, you know, that they, because they just don't have the availability or the time that someone else has, I think it goes both ways. And I, I, I don't think it's a missing thing. It's just a, a different thing. It's just different, different paths and different uh, tracks, I guess, in life. <laughs> yeah, right. Choices. I love your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's beautiful. So making that choice, it was something you intentionally chose to be a mother or just happened? Um, (laughs) well, I was a teacher before and I always loved kids. Um, I taught, um, elementary, um, special needs kids and I just loved working with children and I knew that I wanted to have children. And there's kind of a famous little argument that my husband and I got into because I wanted to start having children and he did not, but then I had a surprise pregnancy. So I guess I won that one, but you know, it was... It was just about right the time when we had wanted to, you know, have children anyway, just a few months before we were going to, you know, intentionally do it. But, um, and then the second, my second child was planned. Um, so it's been different than, than what I thought it was going to be, which I think everyone <laughs> kind of says when you get into it, That's it's true. different. <laughs> right. So it's been, you know, a fun journey. It's been, it is something I did want to have uh, for myself. So I am happy that I was able to have, you know, have that um, and, and be able to have the experience. What do you think the greatest challenges are or the misconceptions really about motherhood? What would that be? Oh boy. Um, I think just how hard it is. And I think that's something that May or may, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of jokes about it. You'll see memes online, but yeah. how genuinely hard it is. Um, yeah. And just how, um, I don't want to say invasive, that, that sounds like a really negative word, but just how it, it impacts every single element of your life. Every single thing about you, you know, nothing, nothing else that I've experienced, you know, impacts every element of who I am and what I do as much as becoming a mother. And um, also, you know, how it makes you become strong in ways that you didn't realize that you were strong brings out some really beautiful, you know, qualities that you didn't know that you had. And I think, too, probably one of the the challenges or, or, you know, misconceptions may be about how lonely it can be. Um, even though it's, it's interesting cause you're, you know, you're around other people, you're around these little people, you're, yeah. you're never really alone, but yet you're really lonely and yearning for, for companionship and friendship. Sometimes when I first had my first son, I did not have any friends or family members who had babies. So I was the only one and there was, you know, I didn't know anybody on my street who had babies. I, I just, it was just me. And I was really, really isolated for my first year until I ended up joining a mom's group. But I just remember how lonely it was, but yet I was never alone. So it's, it can be very isolating and very challenging to your kind of sense of self and to your overall happiness, because it's one of the things that can disconnect you from people. You have your hands so full 
that you're disconnected. Um, and you may not realize how disconnected you are sometimes because you're so busy um, and it kind of creeps in on you. Wow. Does it relate to um, the postpartum depression, Ariel, or this loneliness? Oh, yeah. I, I for, for me, I had the loneliness as well. And also I had a lot of anxiety. I was always so anxious about that I was doing everything wrong and that I was, you know, and I just... It felt like I was in this, you know, I called it a, um, a gray carousel. Um, yeah. I wrote a short story about working through postpartum depression, ended up winning an award. Um, and it, it the, the story was called Learning to Kick. And it was all about me. I felt like I was just sinking in the water and just sinking and sinking and there was no bottom. And I had to teach myself that I had to kick. Like, I, you have to try. If you want to be happy in this, it doesn't just happen on its own. You have to work for it. You have to make sure you, you know, give time for yourself. You have to make sure that you uh, are talking to other people. You have to, you know, and it took me a long time to realize this. And so that loneliness and isolation was a piece of the bigger picture that I was experiencing when I was going through uh, postpartum depression. And being able to step out of that and then kind of look back on that time in my life, I've, I'm sad for myself. I, you know, that I see pictures of me when my uh, first son is, is a baby and I just look at it and my reaction to seeing those pictures is, oh, that, that's a sad girl right there. And I knew how sad, you know, like looking back, I realized how sad I was um, and depressed. So, um, and I think it's, it's, you know, one of those things that you can lose yourself because you're, sur- you're, you're, you're spending all your time giving that you, you, you don't give to yourself. And it's, it's a complicated, it's a complicated uh, a thing. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those issues that just, you know, it's not just like, oh, go, go for a walk in the sun and you'll be better. <laughs> right, um, it's not that It takes simple. a lot of concerted, you know, right. It takes effort in, in a variety of ways in order to help get yourself through it. Is that common, postpartum depression? Is that a common thing? You know, I think, I think it's more common than most people realize. And I think too, there, you know, um, there are a lot of women who do get help, but I think there's women, there are women who do not. I did not my first time because I didn't recognize what was going on until I was able to kind of work out of it. And then when I had my second child, I knew Mm, (laughs) what was going to happen. And so I recognized it easier and I was able to get help and get out of, you know, that, that, that hard time. I think it is um, common. I can't speak to numbers and percentages, right. but I right. think it is more common than than people realize. And what are the signs, Ariel? How do we know? How do we learn to recognize the signs of postpartum? Gosh. Um, so I, I'll speak to, to my experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt like there was uh, nothing to look forward to. Every day seemed to be similar to me, and I wasn't finding happiness during the day. And, to, and I, it was compounded by the fact that I felt guilty. So here I was with this beautiful new baby, this beautiful baby, and so many women can't have babies, and I should be appreciative and I should be happy. So I also had guilt for not feeling that way. And I felt like I didn't, it took me longer to bond with, with my son. I loved him, but it took me longer to bond with, 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 with my first son just because of the shock for me. And the fact that it was just, it seemed like I was just in some sort of strange, you know, uh, baby boot camp, 
uh, type of existence every single day, day after day, week after week, month after month with nothing to look forward to, nothing that seemed to make me happy. I felt like I was just kind of this robot going through the motions and I would just lay in bed at night and think, that's it. That was my day. That was all there was. And also anxiety. Gosh, just constant. Am I doing this right? I'm not doing this right. And then that anxiety would reach into other ways where I would be uh, less patient with my husband, less patient with my mother, less patient with other people in my life because the anxiety was seeping into other other elements right. um, and yeah. other relationships. It sounds like a, a separation, um, kind of uh, not a issue, but a consequence of feeling separated from something that was in you, now it's outside. It sounds like that. <laughs> That's that feeling of separation for something that once was part of you. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I um, so I transitioned from, I was teaching full-time. And then when we had my son, I was staying home with him. And there was a loss of identity there for me. I was a teacher. Now what am I? (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like our society um, can't, you know, some people uh, in our society don't value uh, uh, parents who stay at home as much. And so for me, I didn't value what I was doing. You know, even though that can be arguably considered, you know, the most important job in the world is raising the future. But for me, well, I'm not making money. So what I'm doing isn't valuable. So that was an element for me as well, was that I went from having a career to being at home. And it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around that I had something to contribute other than money, you know, other than financially to our family. I was, you know, I was contributing in a totally different way, which for me, it was just, it was just a big adjustment to wrap my head around. Yeah. Would you say it is something that we have in society, this idea that motherhood, mothers who stay at home, they are somehow seen as having less value than mothers who, or women who work out there and make all this money. Would you say that this is a, a reality, a fact? It's interesting because I think, I think that there's very, very high expectations yeah. of women. Um, so, for example, when you see a news story that it will say, you know, mom business owner, you know, makes it big, right? But if it was a male, it would just be local man's business <laughs> makes it big. True. You never, they're never referred to as dads, right? right? Right. But there's this emphasis that if you are a mom and you're staying at home, you're going to be like a super mom where you're going to be, you know, cooking and the house is going to be clean and everything's going to be perfect. And if you're working, you're going to be, also an, a version of a super mom where you uh, have your career, you're, you're just doing great in your career and then you come home and, you, and you're, everything's great, you know, with your kids. And, and I think it's, it's tough because I think women, there, there is a, more, a higher expectation with women in parenting than for men. And I think it's gotten a lot, lot better, of course, oh, of good. course, <laughs> recently. But yeah. I think there's still that lingering notion that you have to if you are a working mom, you have to be doing your job and being the one who manages everything at home as well. And so you're contributing financially and managing the home. And then if you're at home, oh, well, you're not contributing financially. So you need to be doing extra super things, you know, at home and, and be, you know, make, make your own biscuits or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not from the can. Um, 
<laughs> I I think attitudes have have come a long way in the in the last few decades uh, as far as women providing value by staying home and uh, but I still think there is more work to be done as far as you know. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, homemaker or stay-at-home mom seeing something. As I always see hear women when they when someone is asked, "Oh, what do you do?" and if they say, "I'm a stay-at-home mom," it, they almost have to say something like, "Oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom," or "Oh, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom," and I'll do a little of whatever on the side. You know, they kind of say it like it's not something they're proud of. That right. it's not something. You know, we should be proud of that. Absolutely. We should be, you know, I stay, you know, I, I work really hard with my kids and my family and I do the best I can. You know, it doesn't have to be something you feel like you have to excuse yourself for. Yeah. And you should be able to say it with pride. And I feel like we're not there yet. And until we're there, <laughs> then we'll be able to say that we value each other the same. Because if we're, you know, two two women introduce themselves, you know, one uh, is a mortgage broker and one's a stay-at-home mom, I think it's automatically like, oh, she's a mortgage broker and a mom or, you know, like, oh, just, just a stay at home mom compared to her. It, it's, we have to, we have to provide the value. We have to mm. embrace it and, and, and be proud, I think. Do you think that also part of that is the work on self-love, unconditional self-love and self-acceptance? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, when you know you're working, when you're working on that self-love, it's 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 pride in who you are and what you do, uh, no matter what it is. You know, in writing, you know, we will talk to different authors, and sometimes authors feel embarrassed about what they write or feel like what they write isn't as good as others just because of the genre. So, for example, a someone who writes, you know, horror stories will feel like their work isn't as good as someone who writes like literary fiction, and it's like no, it, it's 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 just different. Right. There is no, you know, the, the person, you know, assuming the value here is you. You are the one. You need to own your value. And and that's part of you experiencing that self-worth is owning what you do and who you are and, and being proud of it. And so that when you say, yeah, I write horror, um, and then, you know, the people, they hear it in your voice. They hear that you respect what you do in your voice. And and they respect it as well. So I feel like starting within and having that self love, and you know, introducing yourself and saying embracing what you do and who you are shows people that they you know they're going to respect you and love you as well for who and what you are because that's what you do. And speaking of um, that inner work, <laughs> inner peace, you use that in a title of your book, Mother's Journal for Inner Peace. So my question about inner peace is, what is your idea and understanding of inner peace? And how is it different from being calm and relaxed? Oh, that's a great question. Um, inner peace is being able to have that, that feeling. It's going to sound kind of, it boils down to, I'm okay and everything's going to be okay. So you have that where you forgive yourself you're patient with yourself and you are able to really feel the love that you have for yourself and for others. So it's, it's a form of contentment that you accept who you are. And even though it may be changing and evolving, you're able to approach situations and still inside say, I'm okay. It's going to be okay. So 
whatever, you know, because you can't always, you know, be calm and relaxed. You know, things happen, you know, people lose jobs, people get sick, whatever it is. Um, but you can use the, 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 utilize those skills and the strength that you have to make a situation easier for you. So if you focus on, you know, making sure that you have the love for yourself and the forgiveness, then you will be able to handle these more challenging situations in a way that will uh, make sure that it doesn't, you know, fully break you down, which sometimes, sometimes that's inevitable, but just to help help you feel stronger and get through things easier and maybe not dip as low as you would have if you weren't working on yourself. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Oh boy. So this is kind of rooted in, uh, just so I feel like, um, I, I am as a person, but, um, serving one another, and 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 just uh, being here to to help one another, and also you know the planet as well. But being you know being of service. That's you know I I really enjoy doing a lot of volunteering, and I love you know seeing other people you know helping out in all these different ways. And it doesn't have to be some grand giant thing. You know you can do small things every day. Um, but I feel like we, we're, you know, we're here to help each other and, and we only have one shot at life and we, we need to help each other out. And that's kind of one of the things that, that makes us different, you know, creatures is that we are able to be altruistic and, and, and truly help someone even, you know, even if it's at our own expense. And I, you know, that's why I think we're here is to support each other and together we can create things and do things that are, of course, better than, than what you could do on your own um, and, and, and just have a better life experience, have more joy, feel more love when we're all supporting each other and, and, and living to help each other. So how did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Mother's Journal for Inner Peace? Um, I started writing um, after my second son. I had I, I tried to make a book attempt where I had written a book with my first, but I realized I just did not know what I was doing because writing professionally is different than uh, writing for fun. Right, right. So I, I spent good year just immersing myself in learning how to uh, write books and write professionally um, and really work on my craft. And then when my second son came, I said, okay, let's, let's do this for real. And I started sending my work out to be published. And I started getting involved in organizations and trying out contests and just really putting myself out there. Um, Cause that's kind of what writing is about is, is you put yourself out there either emotionally because, you know, you, you've written, you've written something that even though, you know, it's fiction, there's, it's like a piece of your soul is out there or, or could be <laughs> memoir. It really is a piece of your soul. <laughs> <laughs> a big piece, right? Yes. Yes. And so you, you, it's, 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 it's an act of bravery to yeah. write and share yourself in that way and be so public about it. It's also um, almost like a release, you know, it can help you kind of work through some things. Um, so I was writing the first piece that I won the award for was, was, um, that I won an award for was learning to kick that one that I wrote about, um, the postpartum depression. And I eventually started, uh, writing longer things. And I decided that I wanted to have a press because I wanted to have a vehicle to put out the types of books 
that I wanted, that I thought would spread more joy, more love, more humor. I love, you know, funny books. <laughs> yeah. I also write, I write children's picture books and usually they have some funny things in them. That's been my journey. And now I'm at the point where I am starting to publish other people's books that go along kind of with those themes. And I'm the um, executive vice president of the uh, Florida Writers Association. So that that group that I had just kind of joined and, and, and decided to learn about, I've come a long way there. It's been a wonderful experience. And I started doing journals because I noticed, you know, with the uh, quarantining and the pandemic, it seemed like mental health, a lot of people were having a really, really hard time. And um, that's when I started doing journals. I did one for teachers because I knew teachers were having a really, really rough year. Um, I have more coming out next year. Um, I have a, a spiritual one that's coming that's that will be written by uh, Carrie Evelyn. I have one that's going to be um, those who are in mourning. Um, I have someone who lost her husband who is uh, working on that one right now. And I have a few others that are that are in the works trying to kind of help people use journaling and use writing as a way to help them have that inner love and and kind of forgives forgiveness for themselves um and and you know being able to to reflect and, and see where you are and where you want to go um those the journals have been a great method to do that um and i i really i i really love putting them together and, and thinking about you know what kind of questions can you ask yourself every week that will really make you truly reflect and make you pause you know during the day that's the whole goal, you know, it, you know, can you pause and stop and, and realize that you're, you're being really hard on yourself? You know, if, if you're able to do that, that's success. That's great. You, you, you know, you've recognized a pattern and you're going to work to change it. So that's, that's kind of the whole goal with this whole line of uh, focus journals is stop and reflect and see, you know, get, get you to where you want to be with whatever your goal is or whatever, you know, with your, with your life journey, as far as the, the inner contentment, inner peace and, and happiness. Yeah. You have a lot of quotes in there. Some of them caught my attention. I'm not sure if this was a quote, but it's really wonderful the way you wrote this. You say, teach your children to love themselves by loving yourself. Powerfully said and true to me. Yes. And they, they, they learn so much just by watching you and by seeing what you do. And it is not easy. Goodness gracious. Especially, you know, so this last year, you know, I am definitely one of those people where I have been inside more and I've been eating more and I'm a little rounder. And I have to be very careful when I am putting on my clothes and when I am looking at myself in the mirror and things aren't fitting and I'm trying because, you know, my, my kids will be in the room when this is going on and I, I try to be very mindful of what I say. Like, oh, I'm so fat or, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. They negative because that's, I feel like that, that automatically comes out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just being mindful of, of what I say and say, oh, and it also makes it, so that I'm listening to these words as well. Yeah. And I'm saying these positive things to me. So I might say something like, oh, look, these pants don't fit. But don't worry, they'll fit again soon. and Or something like that. Or it's okay, I'm going to wear something else and I look just as good in this too. Yeah. And try to not have that negative type of 
type of thing. And, 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 and then I, it, it makes me say that and feel it as well, because they do, they watch you, they, they observe a lot more than you realize. So if you are really showing yourself, you know, having these emotions, because it's, it's, it's true. It's, it, it is upsetting when you have a favorite dress that's not zipping up anymore, your pants aren't buttoning. And so I do want them to see, yes, I am frustrated with this, right, right. but I choose how to react to mm, it. Right. So just by modeling different things with what you're saying out loud or how you, how you model being nice to yourself so that your kids learn to be nice to themselves too. Thank you for that. I mean, crucial message to all of us. It's a message to those who yet don't know and a reminder for those who do. So I love the format of your book too. The reflecting sections, they are my favorite for a reason, because I love that kind of work of asking questions and reflecting, pausing. The reflecting section, for example, you have this, um, I need to let go of, and then we have a chance to write there. And you have the inner piece level score too, which is fun (laughs) to score (laughs) one from one to five. The quotes are incredibly insightful. Uh, This one I love too. You say, serenity comes from within. Sounds very simple, but it's the truth. Yeah, it is. It's inside. (laughs) There's another point about forgiveness. Uh, Would you say that that is a practice for life? Oh, definitely. And I feel like it's something that you have to decide every day sometimes, because sometimes it is hard to forgive, especially when you've really, truly been wronged um, and the person isn't sorry. Right, right. (laughs) We have that, but the forgiveness is for you at this point. You know, you need to be able to decide to tell yourself whenever those thoughts come in about whatever it is, I'm deciding, I'm choosing to forgive and I'm going to let these thoughts go. And you have to force yourself to think about something else. Recognize that you started thinking about it. Tell yourself, I'm forgiving, I'm making the choice and, and take it out of your head. Um, and you have to, you might have to keep doing that every day for a long time to work through something like that, you know, something that's been quite an injustice. I know you suggest also meditation, uh, meditation time and gratefulness is another one. Yeah, talk to me for a moment about meditation and gratitude, Maria. You know, I think sometimes people get hung up on um, meditating the right way or, oh, isn't there a certain way to do it? Do I need to Google how to do it? <laughs> um, because, you know, but it's it's honestly, it's just quiet time inside your head, a quiet time, you know, you're, you're, it's just you and your thoughts and you kind of, um, it's almost like the slowing down the speed of your thoughts. And just focusing on your breathing and slowing down your mind enough that you are able to relax and that will help, you know, reduce your anxiety. So it doesn't have to be like you have to be sitting in a certain position on a yoga mat, you know, with the special, with the exact mat. That's not, you know, (laughs) it can be anywhere. You can meditate anywhere at any time. Just close your eyes and, and, and focus on your breathing and release that anxiety and that tension and just slow your mind down and, and use that as a tool to help you get through the day and kind of press the restart button uh, when you need to. And what was the other thing that you asked? I forgot the second uh, one. Yeah, gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I am a, a firm believer that there's always something to be thankful for. Um, even when, when times are tough and um, focusing on the things that you're thankful for can help make the days seem brighter, especially when they're really tough. 
And now th- that that doesn't mean that that you shouldn't feel your feelings, you know. Right. Yes, if right. you're having a bad day, yeah. have a, it's okay. It's okay to have these negative, you know, feelings, and it's okay to have you know hard times. But you know, trying to find something positive just for your focus, just to help you move from point A to point B. Sometimes, you know, I'm I'm going to focus. You know, let's say you have a very challenging job and then coworkers that are really, really hard to work with. You know, you can instead of walking in and dreading and entering your day and 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 you're with a negative kind of thought where you're thinking, oh, oh, I cannot wait till this day is over already, and I haven't even gone in the building. Right. What is something that you can do for yourself to focus on? I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, I'm grateful I have a desk by a window, and I'm going to focus on looking out the window. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> something as simple, and it's for you. So yes, it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, it's not going to fix anything as far as your coworkers, but it just helps you get through the day and get through your challenge if you can kind of shift your focus a little bit into something that is more palatable and that helps you get through things easier. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Oh, now this is something where I need to. This is this is my area where I need to have my <laughs> my forgiveness and self improvement because I tend to push myself very hard and have high expectations for myself, which is great because it means I'm a very motivated person. Right, right. There's that bright side, um, but yeah. <laughs> the downside is that I constantly feel like I'm not doing enough. So for me, I always have to pause. And remind myself, number one, that success is not always measured in dollars, that success can be achievements, or it can be even, you know, success can be just feeling good at the end of the day. Hey, I ended the day and I didn't feel, you know, really sad or really angry. That's success, yeah. you know? Yes. So, you know, you define your own success. And and for me, success is that, you know, my, my, my family is happy and healthy, which I can't always control, but we do our best. And for me personally, that I am able to continue on a progression. Um, I am moving towards something. And that to me is actually success because I may or may not achieve that goal. Maybe my, you know, what if my goal is something like sell? Let's say my goal is to sell 1,000 books uh, in a month, which would be amazing. But let's, you know, I, I don't control that because I'm not the one purchasing the books. That doesn't mean it's not a good goal for me to work towards. So for me, it's about working towards something. Am I working towards a goal? Yes, I'm. 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 I'm working towards something. So that is that is success for me. Not experiencing success would be not working towards anything, and just letting things be. Never, not trying to improve. That for me, that's that's what is unsuccessful. But if you're honestly working towards a goal and, 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 and making progress, however, however small it is, that is success. It's, it's more of the journey than the, than the destination. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Oh, boy. You know, I am much better at writing down how I feel and really analyzing it and, and, and spending my time and, and to really write something great. Uh, I'm not as good uh, one-on-one, you know, expressing my feelings verbally, you know, speaking them. And I think that if I was going to, you know, let's say I'm going to die soon, I would 
work really hard, really quick on figuring out how to verbalize genuine feelings for people in my life and telling them how important they are and how much they mean to me um, and how proud I am to have them in my life without, you know, all the pomp and circumstance of writing, just being able to speak freely and openly to let people know, you know, how important they are to me and how I, how, uh, how much I love them. I'm wondering why is that a challenge for most of us? It is for me too, to express my feelings toward my husband, my family. I'm wondering why it's easier to write. <laughs> yeah, than- it, it is. You know, I think my, my instant reaction is fear because in my family, we, I didn't grow up as much with like verbal. And I, th- I feel like not many people do where they have like parents that are very straightforward with them about how much they love them and their, or their feelings. And they're very specific about, you know, whatever. And I feel like that can get lost in the everyday. Um, we don't have, you know, sit down long 20 minute conversations saying everything that you mean to me. And I think there's that fear that, you know, if I did do that, what, what would the reaction be? Would they look at me like I was strange would they, you know, what if they don't say anything back? What if, you know, there's all the what ifs, there's that fear. And I think it's, it's the fact that it would be awkward and we would have to get over our awkwardness of doing it and then get over the fear of the reaction. So I feel like it's just fear all around that stops us from doing that. Yeah. Based on conditioning. Yeah. We have not learned to do that. Ah, that's a good practice. <laughs> Very good practice. Um, last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things about life that I know for sure. Time is fluid and it is never your friend. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like time is something that is, can be really slow when you are sad and really fast when you're happy. So it's about being in the moment or making the moment something you want to be in because of, you know, the fluidity of time and how that changes. So the second thing, I would say relationships change. And this is true for any type of relationship. And sometimes they change in great ways. You become closer to people. And sometimes they change in ways that you really don't want Uh, Someone becomes further away than you would like, and sometimes you can't find your way back to them. Uh, I think that's that's one thing that you can appreciate and also kind of be able to let go of is if a relationship doesn't work out, even if it's a friendship, um, which can be just as hard sometimes when, you know, like a breakup. So relationships change. Um, And I've been delightfully surprised by people that I've gotten close to that I wouldn't have anticipated that maybe were totally different from me. They were a total different age or background or whatever, and been delightfully surprised at having close relationship with with someone I wouldn't have anticipated. And then I've had people that I thought I was going to be friends with, you know, for life. They just kind of disappear. So that's part of it is just kind of having that, that flexibility. If you have that inner strength to help not make those dips too low, you know, um, when that kind of thing happens. Um, so let's see, time is fluid, relationships change. And number three, uh, love is effort. And I think this is a pretty, you know, pretty well known that relationships are effort. Um, but love is effort too, whether it's your own self love, whether it is love with other people, whether it's currently now, I think love with, with your country. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are not so in love with their country right now, Uh, but it's, it's a form of love. And no matter what form of love it is, it's, it's something that is effort and you have to keep moving. It's not static. It doesn't just stay the same. 
time. Um, if, li- if life never changed, then, then love would be static and stay the same. But, you know, things change. And so your love, you know, you have to, it's almost, it's movable, it's pliable. Um, and you, you work with it and, and sometimes it expands and it can contract as well, but it is something that requires effort for you to shift that love to where it needs to be with yourself or with uh, something else. Thank you so much, Ariel, for your sharing your wisdom, being aware of your purpose Being authentic. I love how authentic you are. Thank you so much. (laughs) Sense of humor, everything. It's beautiful. Thank you. I do have one last question, and that is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Um, So um, my website is orangeblossombooks.com. And it is the same. I'm Orange Blossom Books on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Alrighty, thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ariel Hoy and her work, please visit orangeblossombooks.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>